Hey, listen, uh, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to uh, talk about the nature of belief today. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about belief, what it looks like for us. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond at the end of the message. And so we're going to jump into 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Um, it'll be up on the screen. It says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. All right, the first thing is we're going to start with the bottom here. Right? This, this is not a wonderful translation here. And so it should say, everyone who loves the Father loves his children as well. This child is not Jesus that it's talking about. It looks like it is, but it's not. It, it means other people. So once we get our relationship with God right, necessarily after that, we start loving people in a different way, right? So we start like everyone who believes. What does it mean to believe? Like, what does it mean for us to walk in belief, right? The idea of belief is elusive for some of us. For some of us, it's challenging. It's hard for us to figure out. We can't figure out, like, on a day-to-day basis, how does my actual belief translate into actual real-world listening, real-world learning, real-world living? And so I'm going to give you a principle up on the screen, and I think it's going to help us start here. What we believe determines the choices we make and the outcomes of our life. What we believe, the beliefs that we have, they determine the choices that we're going to make, and those, deter- those choices determine the outcome of our life. We know this is true, but sometimes it's hard to apply in a spiritual sense. But we do this all the time in, others, in other uh, places. Like, for example, let's just take something like athletics, and then let's take something like uh, business, right? Well, in order to perform well, to have a positive outcome, to have something that really blesses your life, then you need to learn certain things. You need to believe certain things. Like for example, when I first started like working out, which is about three and a half years ago, uh, I was taught that you can't just come every once in a while. (laughs) You can't just show up once a month at the gym and expect anything to transform or to change. That you actually have to be super consistent. And when you're super consistent, because I believe that, when you're super consistent, it actually begins to change your whole you know, body in your whole life, right? That's what happens. And for me, like I've been a swimmer my whole life. And the truth about that is if you want to excel as a swimmer, you don't just get in there and try as hard as you can. You get in there and you learn body mechanics. You learn how to swim so that you can make the, mo- the maximum amount of every single stroke that you're doing, right? So in the same way in business, if you want positive outcomes, you've got to have certain skills to be able to do that. You have to believe certain things, that your work is going to translate into an outcome that's going to be effective. And you learn effective ways to be able to do that. When it comes to our spiritual life, it's exactly the same way. Our beliefs and what we believe about God will determine certain outcomes in our life, how we deal with other people, how we relate to the world, how we relate to our past, all of those things. But how we relate to one another is largely determined by, again, how we and what we think about God. But some of you know this is true because beliefs are a battle for you. Like it's challenging for you to figure out your spiritual life. And so at the end of the day, you think to yourself, well, you know what? It's just not that important. And therefore I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna put it on the back burner. And so you don't think about it. You think, well, when I'm an old person, I'm about to die. I'll figure out like what it means to believe in God, what it means to have a relationship with God. But of course, those days aren't always promised and that doesn't happen either. You get busier as you get older and you get, things get challenging and sometimes we just push it out of the way. But for many of us, it's challenging because, you know, at the end of the day, we need clarity in our life. And I'm going to tell you that I think in order to have clarity in all of these other areas of your life, that you need to first start with clarity about who God is. Because once you get that, it changes everything. It changes the way that you look at your job. That it's not just about consumption or um, acquiring more stuff. It's about having a mission behind the mission. It's about having a mission in the middle of the job. When you figure out God, it changes the way that you relate to your friends. Maybe you have friends 
that were friends that you've had forever, but they're not necessarily friends that you need to keep in your life in the future because they're not helping you become the person that God wants you to be. Maybe for you, it's, you know, worry about the future. You're concerned about the future. There's a lack of clarity about that. But again, God speaks into that. I think Christians have the opportunity to be some of the most positive people in the entire world because we actually believe that one day when we die, we're going to heaven, we're going to a place where there is joy and peace and we'll be happy forever. And if you know that that's the case, how many people worry about money if they know that they're gonna win the lottery next month? No one. We know that we're gonna be fine because everything's gonna work out. Same thing with faith. We know that one day everything's going to be wonderful because we'll see Jesus face to face. And therefore, we get to be able to live that life now. Or even your past. I mean, how do you deal with your past? I mean, some of us have made such big, giant, colossal mistakes, and I put myself in that category. I've not been a Christian. If you're new here, um, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't have a relationship with God. None of my family did. And therefore, when I thought about making ethical decisions or moral decisions, I made decisions based upon my own criteria. I didn't think about what God wanted. There was never the thought in my mind ever, I wonder what God would think about this, right? So how do you then go and figure out my past, your past, with all the bad choices that you made along the way, how do you move on from that? God helps you with that. Why? Because now I get to look back at my past and go, yeah, yeah, I did all those things and those things were not righteous and they were not right. They were not the good things to do. But Jesus has forgiven me for those things. He's restored me. I was this one person and now I'm a totally different person. Let's go back and look at that uh, verse one again. Verse one says this, like this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, is born of God and everyone who loves the father loves his child. So let's break this down a little bit. So everyone who believes. So first of all, the currency that God has for you and your relationship with him is faith. It's belief. It's a necessary thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to boil it down, belief and faith, we're going to boil it down to the word trust, right? So everyone who trusts that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, is born of God. Now, what does it mean that he was the Christ? Now, if you didn't grow up in the church, these are new ideas, new thoughts for you. And they were new ideas and new thoughts for me, right? And I remember thinking, wow, that's just crazy talk when I first heard it. But one of the things that we believe about Jesus is different than every other person in the entire world. It's different than Abraham. It's different than Muhammad. It's different than Gandhi. He's different than everyone. Why? Because this is actually God coming down in the flesh and walking among us. And he came down to walk with us so that he could give us his sinless life. And that sinless life basically applies to our past, our present, and the future that we're going to mess up because we're all going to mess it up in one way or another. But everyone who trusts that Jesus is the son of God who came to fix our sin problem is born of God. What does it mean to be born of God? Well, it means that you're transformed. Now, that's a very important point for us because for many of us, uh, you know, the statistics show us and Pew uh, polls tell us that 95% of people in America believe in God. Now, that doesn't mean they believe in the God that I'm preaching right now. It doesn't mean that they believe in a, a God in the same kind of way that we do. But it means that they believe that there is some kind of power that is at the center of the universe orchestrating the circumstances of the world and the universe. And so, so for us, one of the things that we realize is that most people's connection to God, though, is not the connection that God would want them to have. Why? Because they believe in Jesus like you and I believe in George Washington. Like we believe, I mean, I, I hope all of us can agree on this one thing, that George Washington existed. If not, middle school, okay? Middle school, just go back to middle school, figure it out. Like George Washington was a real guy. He did real things. And by the way, you know, February 20th is his birthday. You should celebrate it. We don't. 
We don't, why? Because he's not important to us, really. He's a historical figure, a historical fact, but he plays no real world influence in our life today. We just doesn't. And the reality is for some of us, like when we started thinking about that, it changes the way that we think about Jesus because we think Jesus and we put him in that category. Yeah, yeah, he did some great things for us a long time ago. He's great, but it has no real world influence on us. It's interesting because I don't know if you know this or not, but when George Washington was ending uh, his, his uh, time as president, uh, one of the things that he did was he basically was, people came to him and said, hey, we'd like to make you king of America. And he's like, I don't want to be king of America. We just fought a war so that there are no more kings. And he put us on a trajectory that was great. He did these incredible things for you and you don't even think about him. He's just not an everyday thing in our life. And I don't know that he needs to be, but that's how many of us connect our relationship with Jesus. So when it says here, everyone who trusts that Jesus is the Christ, they're thinking more than just that he's a historical figure. But this phrase right here, born of God, means something radically different. As many of you know, they've been around here a long time. I grew up in a really abusive family. My father was an alcoholic and he was a United States Marine, uh, but he, he came back from Vietnam, was extremely damaged by that process. And uh, he used to beat me, my brother, and, uh, and my, my mom. And it was just a mess. It was an absolute unmitigated mess. We never knew what was going to happen on the day that we walked in, which guy we were gonna get. And so it was always kind of a fearful time. I remember when my whole family was collapsing and everything was falling apart. I remember some Christians just like you guys sitting in these chairs, reaching out and saying, hey, um, we wanna be there for you. And they brought me into their family and they encouraged me and they strengthened me and they helped me see things differently. And then they introduced me to Jesus and then I had this encounter with Jesus. And it wasn't like encountering a historical figure. It was encountering somebody who was alive and living and changed my life. And there was a moment where I realized that everything that I was had died. There was a part of me, there was a Mike who lived at one time and then that mic died. And then there was a whole new guy who was born and he had different values and he had different morals, not because someone came along and said, hey, you better have better morals and better values, but because I fell in love with somebody who changed my heart and my mind, my life. And so I started walking in a new way, different morals, different values, different ethics, different dreams, different hopes, different desires, and a different future. And all of those things. And it was because someone like you reached out to someone like me and just said, hey, I think there is something more for your life than what you're living right now. And I was born of God. And it says, everyone who's born of God loves all these other people as well. It's a necessary conclusion for us. I want you to see Romans 10.9. And it says this. It says, Romans 10.9, this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's take a look at this real quick. He says, if you declare with your mouth and believe with your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, that when Jesus died on the cross and he was buried, three days later, he was raised from the dead. The father raised him. It says you'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself and your poor choices that you're gonna make in this life and in the next. Saved from the world and its corruption and its influence. Saved for eternal life with God. I mean, this is a giant word inside the scriptures. It says, it seems like it's saying, you do these two things and you're good. But actually, it's not really saying that. Um, in between my second year of college and my third year of college up in Chicago at Wheaton, I came home uh, here in Orlando uh, during the, uh, the, the summer break. And you know what? It was, it was that last summer. I hope you had a summer like this, but it was the summer of like, uh, it was the summer of 69. No, it wasn't like, like, it, was, like it was, it was an amazing, I got my first real six string. Uh, I'm so glad you know that song. Um, 
So, but anyway, like I was just hanging out and it was like the last time we had any kind of real like, you know, uh, freedom and not any responsibilities. And I was going to this Bible study. I do that with air quotes because we played volleyball mostly. And, uh, and we just kind of hung out and I met this girl, Kelly. And, and I'm telling you, like I had a motorcycle. I was awesome. I'm gonna tell you, like, I just was awesome. Like I had a motorcycle and I gave Kelly a ride on it and all these other girls. Uh, and it was awesome. It was just fantastic. I like hung out. It was, it was such a great time. And uh, Kelly and I, we just started like becoming good friends. And, uh, and which is the foundation of our marriage, 100%. Whatever your marriage is, the foundation is friendship. Work on that. That's the most important thing. And so we just became really, really good friends. But, you know, at some point I told her I didn't want to date her. And, uh, and uh, I remember we were coming to one of these parties and, 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 I, and she, Kelly almost blew the entire thing, almost blew our whole relationship. She walks in with Vince. Tan jackass. I'm telling you, like, I just walked in with Vince all like, you know, hey, I'm here, you know, and Vince is like, hey, we're here. And I'm just like, what is happening? And so every time she came into a room, I would leave and go to another room, right? And then, and then like every time she would come in, I'd leave and go to another room. And, and then like at the end, like towards the end of this thing, I saw Vince leave and Kelly was still here. And I was like, huh. And, and she comes finally, she corners me. She's like, what is up with you? I go, I don't know what you mean. You know, she, she, she says, she says, she's like, she's like, every room I walked into tonight, you absolutely just walked away from. And I was like, well, you came with Vince. She goes, we're friends. I was like, well, I don't want to be, you know? And, and, and it was just like, all of a sudden it changed. It clicked for me. Like, I really, like, I, I really like this girl. I think I love this girl. And at the end of that summer, I came home and I started telling my friends, I declared with my mouth, I met the girl that I'm going to marry because she was in my heart. You see, we declare with our mouth that we believe in Jesus because he's here, because we love him, because he's part and parcel of our life. There's no command that says you have to go out and tell people. You tell people because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we become changed. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be changed. You'll be transformed. But one day I had to, uh, this was, so this was the summer between my sophomore and junior year, the summer between my junior and senior year, we'd gotten serious. And and I'm going to ask you to solve a puzzle here real quick. Um, And that was, I was in Chicago, she was in Birmingham, I was at Wheaton College, she was at Sanford University, and and we were just kind of hanging out, but we had Friday night date nights. How do we do that? I didn't fly back and forth. I stood outside at a phone booth, which is a place where there was a phone detached from the wall. (laughs) Like, okay, so, so, so. We were at the phone booth, right? We were at the phone booth, and, and I was at the phone booth. Outside, it's freezing. It's 20 degrees all the time. Like, it's just, um, and after 11 o'clock, I called. Why after 11? Because the rates dropped after 11 o'clock, and I was in college. So I'm out there, hey, honey, it's so good to see you. you know, and so we did this whole thing all year long. It was fantastic. Got back, and I realized, like, I'm going to have to tell her. I got to tell her my background, because we're getting serious. I've got to tell her. We weren't just hanging out. I've got to tell her about my family. And I remember, um, I remember taking her to see my father. And uh, I don't remember the argument that took place, but my dad and I got into a little argument. I still to this day, I can't remember it. But I remember what he did. Now, you need to know Kelly's father is the most gentle. I mean, the guy makes, he makes Mr. Rogers look like a terrorist. I mean, he legitimately is one of the kindest people that I've ever met in my entire life. And he's quiet and he's calm all the time. 
And so there I am with my father, and we're just kind of hanging out there. And we get into some kind of argument. And, uh, and I remember my dad just standing up, and he was drinking too much. And I, he took his glass, and he flung it across the wall. It broke on the, on, the, on, the, on the wall. And then he stood up right next to me, and he pounded into the wall and broke you know, a hole in the wall. And uh, I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. That had become normal for me, but having her there just made it all the more clear that this was not functional. And uh, I remember going out to the car and just sitting there and crying with Kelly and saying, I'm so sorry that you had to see this. I was going to tell you about all this, and I'm so sorry. And then she just laughed at me because she's a terrible person. (laughs) She just laughed at me. And I was like, I was like, why are you laughing? And she goes, hey, this big guy, this Marine that, that you've been afraid of your whole life, Mikey had a temper tantrum. He's a child. And my father, who went from being this looming, scary figure in my life, went down to nothing. And it changed the whole way I related to him for the rest of my life. And I realized this is exactly right. He was that person. But there was this moment where I had to tell her all about my family history, and I had to tell her all about the bad choices that I had made in my life and I was scared to do it because I was all in on her. And I knew that if I trusted her with this information, she could turn around and say, I'm not in, I'm out. It's too much, it's too different for me, it's too hard. And uh, (laughs) what she did instead was she hugged me and she said, all of that stuff you told me is a mic that I've never met before. She said, you're a new person, a new creation in Christ. And it changed my whole life. There are times, I think, when our relationship with God is so hard, because not because we have intellectual problems with God. We haven't actually read the original Greek and the original Hebrew and the original Aramaic and come up with objections to the scriptures. We have emotional issues with the scriptures. And that emotional issue is trust. Because every single time you trust someone, you risk vulnerability and being rejected. And I think for some of us in the room, the reason why we haven't come across that line yet is because we don't trust God. Because we look at the world sometimes and we go, I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if I'm okay to trust him. I don't know if it's wise. But sometimes you have to take that risk. And when you take that risk, it's rewarded. So why is it so hard up on the screen? Why is it so hard? Because we have trusted and we were vulnerable and someone abused our trust. And because you're smart, you pulled back and you said, not again. I'm not gonna be with that kind of guy again. I'm not gonna be with that kind of woman again. I'm not gonna be with those people again. I'm not gonna do it again because you're smart. But the problem is, sometimes in the decision to protect yourself, you wall yourself off from everyone else. And you rob yourself of beautiful interactions with other people and with God. So maybe for you, you were vulnerable with someone. They abused that trust. Find yourself in these phrases. We were vulnerable and they told our secret. You were vulnerable and they left you behind. You were vulnerable and they condemned you. You're vulnerable and they weren't thankful for you. They misunderstood you. 
They betrayed you. They lied about you. They hit you. They screamed at us. They yelled at you. They wore you down. They terrified you. They confused you. They infuriated you. They cheated on you. They withdrew from you. They doubted you. They were distrustful of you. They were ashamed of you. They were envious of you. They were unfaithful to you. They were insensitive to you. And sometimes they even opposed you. And because you're smart, you said never again. But now it's time to be smart again and realize that past pain will stop you from future blessing unless you're willing to risk trusting again. Past pain will rob you of future blessing unless you're willing to trust again. And yes, when you trust, you will get hurt. But the question is, will I just stay where I am right now? Will I stop? Will I not be engaged with God anymore? There's a path that we get to walk to that God changes when you enter into a relationship with him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what is he gonna do? His promise is he will make straight your paths. What does that mean? Well, let's talk right here. Why is trust the economy of God? Why is this the deal? And here, here's the reason why trust is, the, is, is God's economy. This is why he says this. Because look, if you came to me one day and you said, hey, Mike, I wanna be your friend. And I said, that's awesome. And you said, but I don't trust you. <laughs> um, or if I didn't trust you, we can't be friends, right? Why? Because our relationship is dead in the water at that moment. Why? Because if I don't trust you and you don't trust me, we can't go anywhere together. And so when God says trust, when the Bible says trust in the Lord, it's saying that this is what God's asking you to do, to suspend your disbelief for a moment, to be able to say, maybe God in all of his greatness and all of his goodness will not hurt me. In fact, what I will argue to you right now is that he's the only person in the entire universe who will not hurt you because he's 100% good 100% of the time. And, and some of you push back on that. You go, what about the bad things that happen in the world? We live in a broken and fallen world. That's not God's choice. That's us. God never wakes up and says, hey, I'm gonna send this guy to do a mass shooting. People decide those things for themselves. And in that process, bring havoc and destruction into our world. And God is in the background brokenhearted because of it. But he's like, I got a solution to this. And that is trust in me with all your heart, not just as a historical figure, as somebody who lived one day, but as somebody who actually is living right now and can make a difference in your life. Trust with all your heart. Give me everything. Don't lean on your understanding. I love this phrase. Don't lean on your understanding. You know why? Because none of us actually went into a relationship and thought to ourselves, I can't wait to give five years to this relationship that's gonna be super dysfunctional. Because you're smart and not dumb. No one does that. No one says, I can't wait to marry the guy that I'm gonna divorce three years later. You know, you're like, yes, this is gonna be a wonderful three years. No one does that. So, so this is why the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding because we can't see the future. Like we don't see our next steps very clear. And so he says, listen, instead of trusting in yourself and leaning on your own, by the way, the world teaches you to trust yourself. It says, follow your heart. It says, just kind of do your own thing, right? Just do what you do. And what we've seen is that doing what we do and following our own heart often leads us to pits and disaster. But instead, maybe we trust the one that created us, the one who loves us, the one who's never done anything to harm us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own thoughts. In all your ways, acknowledge him 
and he will make your path straight. So, so this is what it looks like. Prior to being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I lived a life just that, of everything that I wanted to do, whether it was women or drinking, whether it was anger and violence, whatever it was. I did all these things. And then there was a part of me that just died. And when that person died, a new person was born. And this new person walked a completely different path. I had new dreams, new desires, new hopes, new ethics, new morals, new everything. All of that changed over time. It wasn't tomorrow, the next day I was different. It took time. But what I learned over time was I learned, you know what? I'm married, so I'm not going to sleep with her, no matter how pretty she is, because that's going to bring disaster to my family, and that's going to bring disaster to my children. And it'll bring dishonor to God because of what I do. And I'm not going to do foolish things with my money over here because I want our family to have a future. And I'm going to do things that the Bible teaches me to do with my money. And then what I'm going to do over here is I'm going to take care of this person. Why? Because they can't really do anything for me, but because it's right for me to care for that person. Because God cares for them. And they're created in the image of God. These people who are angry with me, I'm not going to scream back at them. I'm going to pray for them. My enemy... The Bible says, I'm going to love them. And I do all of that. And what we do, we do. We do it the best that we possibly can. None, none of us is perfect. Ashley told us that just a little while ago. But what we do is we're able to avoid this cliff. We're able to avoid this pit, this jagged rock, this all of these dangers that are just all in front of you for the rest of your life, right? But instead of walking our way, we start walking his way. And he promises that he will make your path straight. You can almost think about it like a bunch of landmines in front of your life. And all of us have these landmines. But instead of having landmines and walking blindly into them, we have a map. And the map says, well, there's one. There's one. There's one. And we get to walk through life in that way. There is a reduction of drama, foolishness, and pain in the life of a believer who walks the way of God. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you'll have no pain because pain is not a religious question. It's a human condition. But... This is what I try to do. This is what I'm asking you to do. You can avoid a ton of pain that is self-induced. You can do a lot. You can do, you can reduce a ton of drama in your life that you cause. Look at how verse two says it like this. Verse two says this. This is how we know that we are children of God. We love the children of God. This is how we know that we love other people well, by loving God and carrying out his commands. So this is how we know that we love the children of God, each other, all of us, all of us children of God, right? By loving God first, and then, care, and then doing what he says. So I'm gonna love God, I'm gonna do what he says, right? And the reason why I'm gonna do what he says is because unlike anybody else, like any other teacher ahead of me or any other boss in front of me, when God gives me a, a command, when he gives me something to do, he's doing it for my good. It's always for my benefit. It's always for my blessing. It's always for the good of the world. And because I do this, I'm able to love other people well. I, th- I find it fascinating that John connects this idea that when we get our relationship with God straight, all of a sudden, the next thing for us to work on is how we love other people in the world. And this is the whole arc of the, brand new, of the, new, of the new covenant, of the New Testament. It is love God first with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. It's what we do. It's actually from the Hebrew Shema. The Hebrew Shema is, a, is something that, that Jews would say uh, in the Old Testament. Actually, they still do to this day, Orthodox Jews. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord is God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And that's what we are called to do. And this is what it says in, in Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? It shows us where we're going. It allows us to see these pits, these, these jagged rocks, and these cliffs. We don't walk right over them. 
And look what verse three says. It says this, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So when you love someone and they ask you to do something, the ask is not a burden. Like if my wife came to me and said, hey, I want you to take me to the airport at 8 p.m. I wouldn't be like, oh, seriously? I mean, like, I'd rather watch TV. Can you get an Uber? Well, I mean, I, it wouldn't go well, by the way, if I did that. I mean, just so you know, it would not go well at all. But, I, you know, can't you do that? Why not? You know, and, and, but if you called me up and you said, hey, can you take me to the airport at 8 o'clock? I'd be like, Rick Garrett would love to take you to the airport at eight o'clock. I'm not gonna do that. Like, I'm just, why? It's a burden. I don't love you like I love her. She's, I'm, I'm all in. Watch this. In fact, this is love for God. We keep his commands. And by the way, these commands are not like an oppression on your life. We walk the way of God, not because he says, walk the way I, I tell you to walk. We walk the way of God because we love him. And out of the overflow of the heart, a man speaks and a man acts. And here's how this whole thing kind of comes to a conclusion here in verse four. For everyone born of God, when you have an encounter with Jesus that kills a part of your old life and lets it go and begins a brand new life with Jesus, anyone and everyone born of God will overcome this world. It means that you, whatever you've carried with you your whole life, the pain of abuse, the, the horror of, of violence, the insecurities that we carry around with us will one day end. Because of these scriptures, it teaches us that at the end of everything, the Christian's path, suffering is not the final word ever. And so because of that, you can take courage right now to know that one day you'll be healed from these things. You don't need to fix it all yourself, but one day God will fix these things for you. For everyone born of God will overcome the world. This is the victory that overcame the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one. Only the one. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to say, you know what? I'm tired of protecting myself all the time and not trusting God. Remember, this is not an intellectual challenge that you have. This is an emotional one. I need to figure out how to trust God and take my next step toward him. And some of you have never done that before. You walked in the room, you're like super, you know, you got a great life, everything seems to be going well, but you know, when you think about God, you think about him like you do uh, George Washington. Doesn't have any real world impact on your life. And he wants a real world impact in your life. And it's not gonna be this labor. It's not gonna be this work. It's not gonna be this horrible thing placed upon you. In fact, what it's gonna do is take a bunch of stuff off of you. Because Jesus said it this way, Follow me, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. You won't have to live a life trying to fix it yourself. God will begin that process for you. So I'm gonna start on this side of the room. This is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask everybody just bow your heads right now, just close your eyes. We're not gonna do anything weird. All right, over here on this side of the room, what I'm gonna do is ask you, you know, if you're ready at this point to take that step to say, I wanna trust him with my heart. I wanna trust him with my life. I wanna give him everything that I am I'm just gonna ask you to look up at me and I'm gonna acknowledge you and then you just put your head back down. I'm not gonna embarrass you or do anything, ask you to come forward or anything. All right, just do it. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 
Appreciate that. Yes. Yes. Yes, in the corner over there, both of you. Yes, two of you in the back, second to the row. In the back, brother. Yep. Yes. Awesome. Now over here, the left-hand side. Left-hand side, middle. Let's go ahead and look up. Yes. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Appreciate both of you. Yes. Both of you in the back. Yes, sir. Over here on the right side in the middle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. In the back over there. Yes, ma'am. Yes, both of you. Over here on the right side in the corner. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, the three of you. <laughs> Amen. Yes, ma'am, in the corner. I see you too. Yes, ma'am. Let me just pray for you right now. Here's, here's the prayer, just silently to yourself. Pray this prayer with me. God, I know I haven't trusted you with my life. I've held on to fear and self-preservation for too long. I don't want to miss out on the blessings of a relationship with you. So I invite you to come into my life and rescue me from myself and from the world. And I ask God that you would work in me now. I want to receive your son, Jesus. God, and I don't have all of my answers or all of my questions answered at this point. And I know it's going to take a lifetime to get them answered. But I just want to start with trust. I believe that you are real. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And I believe you will not hurt me. Teach me to love you and help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when a person takes a step of faith like that, all of heaven rejoices. Do you know why? Because they have the exact right priorities. It's an amazing thing to watch from heaven and to see someone transform their life. To say, I'm gonna move from mistrust to trusting you, God, with my life. And the Bible says that they all celebrate. So can we do the same thing? Can we just celebrate those who made that decision?